It's 11 minutes before the hour. You're listening to Raven Radio KCW in Sitka. Today is Wednesday, February 3rd. I'm Meredith Reddick with Raven News. After a bumpy start, the relatively rapid rollout of vaccinations in Sitka is as hopeful as it is noteworthy. But it won't necessarily mean a return to normal, at least not for a while. Public health officials say that the recipe for finally beating the coronavirus has two ingredients, immunization and continued mitigation. KCW's Robert Woolsey reports. Have you got your shots is the new hello in Sitka. As of the end of January, over 2,600 residents had received at least their first vaccination. That's almost a third of the town. There are two clinics running whenever vaccine is available, one managed by the local Harry Race Pharmacy and the other by the Southeast Alaska Regional Health Consortium, which is also distributing vaccine to surrounding villages. The online registration system works well for the computer literate, and healthcare workers are making a lot of calls to reach everyone else. The startup was rough, but both clinics are apparently models of efficiency now. Sitka Assemblymember Tor Christensen, who works for the Southeast Region EMS Council, said Sitka had caught the eye of the Federal Vaccine Development Program, first dubbed Operation Warp Speed, and that we might be getting a site visit. Uh, they're coming here looking to see how is, it, how is Sitka doing it so much better. And the answer is, I think they're throwing everything at it. With vaccinations going well, the question on many minds is whether this means Sitkins can put away their masks and get together again. And the answer is no. Here's a voice that's becoming familiar again as a new administration in Washington, D.C. confronts the pandemic. We should not say that vaccines are a substitution for public health measures. It's a complement to public health measures. Dr. Anthony Fauci is the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases and now the chief medical advisor to President Biden. He gave this interview back in December 2020 at the Harvard T.H. Chan School of Public Health. Wearing a mask, physical distancing, avoiding crowds, that should all stay as we get into the vaccine program because there's still a lot of virus out there. Fauci explained that both vaccines available in the U.S. did an extraordinarily good job preventing people from becoming sick or severely ill from COVID-19. So you can be infected, but not sick. What's not known yet is if the immune response triggered by the vaccine diminishes the virus itself, making you less likely to infect others. And a lot of people aren't getting the vaccine, especially children who aren't eligible. Dr. Joe McLaughlin is the head of the state section of epidemiology in Alaska. He says that the state's vaccination program for older residents and essential workers is going to have a significant impact on mortality from COVID-19, but... It doesn't mean that the the virus is um, going to slow down in the younger age groups necessarily. And so... We need to make sure that we remain vigilant until we reach somewhere near that herd immunity threshold so that the the viral transmission naturally starts to uh, die down. McLaughlin spoke at a press conference with Alaskan Media on January 28th. He said that the herd immunity threshold was about 75%. That's when masks can come off. Dr. Fauci believes that goal is achievable nationwide sometime this year. Let's say we get 75 percent 
80% of the population vaccinated. If we do that, I believe if we do it efficiently enough over the second quarter of 2021, by the time we get to the end of the summer, i.e. the third quarter, we may actually have enough herd immunity protecting our society that as we get to the end of 2021, we could approach very much some degree of normality that is close to where we were before. And if far fewer Americans choose to get vaccinated than the 75 to 80 percent, Fauci said it would take much longer until the level of virus in society was so low that it did not present a threat to anyone. Reporting in Sitka, I'm Robert Woolsey. President Biden and the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention have issued orders requiring masks for most people traveling on public planes, trains, boats, and road vehicles. These measures are meant to help slow the spread of COVID-19. The orders also say transportation companies have to make sure passengers are wearing face coverings while traveling and also while in transportation hubs like airports, bus terminals, and seaports. That's not a big change from current practice in Alaska. The Alaska Marine Highway System has required masks for passengers on the state ferry fleet since June. Department of Transportation spokesperson Sam Dapsevich says the system has seen good compliance. There's some teeth behind it now. Um, there is the potential you know, that someone could be subject to penalties under federal law now. But the primary way that we take care of this message on the ferries is is by making announcements and having good signage up and reminding people. Um, you know, we don't have aggressive enforcement, but we we make sure people know it's required. The orders also mean masking is now required on the Inter Island Ferry Authority service between Hollis and Ketchikan. The biggest noticeable change with the federal orders is that the mask requirement is now extended anywhere on the premises for travel hubs like airports, train, ferry, and bus terminals. As of February 1st, the Transportation Security Administration is implementing the mandate on airport properties throughout Alaska, including Sitka. That means a mask is required to get past the security checkpoint. An internal audit by the U.S. Forest Service says the federal agency mismanaged two timber sales. The report blames pressure to meet timber harvest targets. The result cost taxpayers around $2 million, failed to outline planned restoration work, and potentially violated conflict of interest rules, among other findings. KSFK's Joe Vicknicki reports. The August 2020 internal agency audit found problems with oversight and administration of two large timber sales on the Tongass National Forest in southeast Alaska. It only saw the light of day after public employees for environmental responsibility sued for it. Jeff Rook, Pacific Director of the Maryland-based Watchdog Group, says the report only tells part of the story. The report concludes that the problems were motivated by pressure to meet timber sale quotas, but doesn't explain pressure by whom, what about that pressure, how was it manifested, which officials were responsible. And that sort of cryptic, unspecific kind of finding makes it difficult 
for the Forest Service to use it as a basis for reform. The report was done by an oversight branch of the Forest Service's Washington office. It reviewed the Big Thorn Stewardship Contract awarded in 2014 to Viking Lumber on Prince of Wales Island. It found the agency underestimated the volume of timber by more than 10 percent. By law, the Forest Service isn't allowed to put out timber sales that don't pencil out for companies. If the cost of getting the wood out of the forest and to market is more than it's worth, then it's a no-go. But this report says the agency was incorrect in its valuation of the timber, quote, making it possible for a positive value and ultimately help the Tongass and the region obtain its annual timber sale goal, unquote. In the end, the agency effectively reduced the overall contract amount by around $2 million to Viking to avoid a lawsuit from the company. The agency also reviewed the State of Alaska's Good Neighbor Authority Agreement from 2017. That agreement allows the state's Division of Forestry to do the preparation, administration, and oversight for logging on federal lands. Under that pact, nearly 30 million board feet on Kosciuszko Island in southern southeast was awarded to Alcan Timber of Ketchikan. But the auditors were concerned over a potential conflict of interest in the deal. That's because the same unnamed person doing the appraisal for the state later contracted with the purchaser to do preparation work for logging. The report says that could give a person with privileged details of the sale the ability to gain financially. Alcan's Eric Nichols says a state employee with 40 years' experience in Southeast did the appraisal and retired from the state after it was awarded to Alcan. That employee got an ethics clearance from the state and started a forestry consulting company doing timber sale layouts, Nichols writes in an email. And he says that people with this experience are, quote, very hard to find with the downward spiral of the timber industry, unquote. The Forest Service's report also notes problems with the state's software for estimating timber, valuation of those trees, and the agreement's omission of habitat restoration work that's supposed to accompany the logging. Environmentalists seized upon the critical audit to question the Forest Service's timber management practices on the Tongass. Sally Schlichting is with the Southeast Alaska Conservation Council in Juneau. She says the 20-page audit's findings are concerning. They really call into question whether the uh, other timber sales that the Forest Service has planned are being properly developed and whether there are other uh, issues out there with other timber sales that are not being properly managed. The report makes recommendations for fixes. Forest Service officials declined an interview. In a statement, the agency says it's updating its policies to clearly define roles and responsibilities, strengthen internal controls over timber sales, improve oversight of the program, and provide additional training for employees. State Forester Chris Mesh was not available for an interview Monday, an agency spokesperson person referred questions to the Forest Service, and the Timber Industry Group Alaska Forest Association also declined comment. In Petersburg, I'm Joe Vicknicki. I'm Meredith Reddick, and this has been Raven News.